What up, stalemates? Good morning. I've been doing a lot of interviews lately, but I thought I would dust off the microphone to do another one-on-one, a little bit of a Twitter breakdown beef, whatever you want to call it. But this one's going to be less screenshots and less um, memes and this and that. This is going to be more so just off the top of the dome. I've been trying to get better at, you know, researching and everything like that. I've been trying to just go off, you know, what's my gut instinct? What's my real thought? What's my real opinion? Last time I gave my real opinion, I got into some trouble, some little troubled waters, whatever you want to say. But, you know, here we are again. Uh, we're about to hit 700 subscribers. So we've got a little bit more people listening. Nowadays, I kind of miss the old days where it was like me and two other guys on here. Um but I wouldn't trade it. I like having everybody around. I like hearing everybody's thoughts and opinions. So without further ado, David Taylor, Jordan Burroughs, they got into it. Everybody's saying stalemates will break this down. Stalemates, where are you at? Tagging stalemates in this, tagging stalemates. I'm going to give you guys my real thought, my real opinion. It all started October 3rd. JB's back. Tell a friend. JB's back. Jordan Burroughs tweets October 3rd. JB's back. Tell a friend. He has a freestyle match coming up with Zahid Valencia. He's bumping up a weight to wrestle this guy. Huge matchup. We haven't seen Zahid Valencia since he got in trouble um, pre-COVID. I'm not going to get into that. Jordan Burroughs is bumping up to wrestle him. The young gun, the goat, whatever you want to say. It's going to be a huge matchup, right? October 3rd, 8.13 p.m., David Taylor tweets, thought you've been looking like a beefcake, test the waters, and if you want a shot at the real 86-kilogram king, hit me up. Little did he know that that was his demise in the Twitter streets. I'm not saying the demise in the wrestling world. I'd love to see that matchup happen, right? David Taylor, you got to put some respect on that man's name as well. But when you come at Jordan Burroughs, the king, right, Jordan Burroughs retweeted me one time and I freaking, I was on cloud nine for like three days. Matter of fact, that week we gained like 500 Twitter followers in like two days. And the only thing I care about is Jordan Burroughs saw a meme I made about him. That was, you know, that made my freaking week. Matter of fact, I'm actually going to get that thing printed and put it somewhere back there. Just the, you know, the screenshot of him retweeting it. But enough about me. Let's get back to Jordan Burroughs, the goat, right? So Jordan Burroughs quote retweets that and he says, I made you disappear from 74 kilograms. Who's really the magic man? In reference to David Taylor's moniker, his, his nickname, what he's known by, the magic man. He's been known by the magic man forever. M2, M squared, magic man, David Taylor. You get it. I don't need to keep drilling into your head. He's the magic man. Jordan Burroughs goes and tweets, I made you disappear from 74 kilograms. So who's really the magic man? That was the tweet, right? Because of that, somebody changed David Taylor's Wikipedia saying he died. We made a meme saying he was buried. However you want to say it. Nishan Garrett puts out a tweet basically saying like, when's somebody going to break down Jordan Burroughs' freaking trash talk game? His tweets, he's on fire. And that's true. He has been on fire for a very, very long time. He's been running the game for a very, very long time. A lot of people have been coming at him. When you're at the top, you know, the gazelles and the whatever else, they're going to come for the lion, right? They're going to keep poking you and poking you. Pool hall junkies, right? And he did it again. He buried David Taylor with this one simple tweet. 
David Taylor, just today as we're talking, I believe today is October 12th. So October 12th, David Taylor comes back and he says, LOL, we haven't wrestled in six years, big dog. Times have changed and I have armpit now. Crying, laughing face. Let's run it back if that's how you feel. First of all, let me say, yes, please run it back. What a super match that would be, right? Put it on the NLWC Rockfin account. Put it on Flow Wrestling. Put it on whatever you want to do, right? Would be huge for the sport. I love it. Big fan of both of these guys. Let me first say that. But I want to, I want to talk more about coming at the GOAT, right? Coming at Jordan Burroughs. Last week, two weeks ago, whatever it was, Aaron Rodgers was on the Pat McAfee show and they kind of talked about his down years, this and that. Does that does it affect him that the media is saying that he has, you know, down years? And he says, Well, down years for me are career years for most quarterbacks. Through the internet into a freaking frenzy, right? Oh my gosh, he really went there. Last night, LeBron James won his fourth title. And in his speech, I thought it was cool when he said, you know. Give Rob Palenka his respect. Give Coach Vogel his respect. And I want my damn respect. And in our sport, I'm not saying Jordan Burroughs doesn't get enough respect because he does, right? But give Jordan Burroughs his damn respect. Earlier this year, we saw Kyle Date coming at him. And I get it. You know, that's your opponent. You're competitive. That's your opponent. You want to come at him. You want to, you know, do whatever you can. Try to get that mental edge and try to get under his skin. And totally respect Kyle Date for doing that. But when you look at that back and forth, I got to give it to Jordan Burroughs. Because Jordan Burroughs stayed calm. You know, he didn't really, he defended himself, but he didn't really cross the line. He didn't really, you know, do anything that wild in terms of clapping back. But then when Kyle Dake went and wrestled Frank Camizo on the flow card, Jordan Burroughs sent out another tweet. JB's back. He tweeted, that's the guy that's going to decimate me. And so that's kind of what you want to do, right? You don't want to cross the line, but you want to wait for that perfect timing. And in this and back and forth with David Taylor, perfect timing, right? I made you disappear from 74 kilograms. So who's really the magic man? Let's break that down a little bit, right? So Jordan Burroughs, he beat David Taylor back in the day. David Taylor said, okay, I'm not getting in at this weight class. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bump up one. David Taylor's nickname, Magic Man, he said, I made you disappear, right? Then David Taylor didn't really respond until several days later. At that point, what's done is done. I wasn't going to do a breakdown video of this because it was like, eh, it's just one little back and forth. There's not a whole lot to break down. But then I started, you know, seeing stuff like Darren Rogers quote. Last night, LeBron James. It hits differently when guys are cocky when you're the GOAT, right? It hits differently. The, the words have a little bit more weight to it. And that's what happened here. The power dynamic, as big as David Taylor is, you still lost to the guy at one point in your career, right? I'm not saying it could be the same now. I, I would love to see that matchup. Let's, please, please, as a wrestling fan, let's run it back, please. But when you come at the GOAT like that, it kind of walked into a trap. Put some respect on Jordan Burrow's name. JB's back. 
at this point in JB's career, that guy could walk away and be cemented on the Mount Rushmore of, of wrestling greats. And I'm here today to deem him on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling Twitter greats. The point of this video is make sure you're well aware of the power dynamic before you get into it. I'm not sure that David Taylor was thinking that Jordan Burroughs was going to go that far, but here we are. And as wrestling fans, you know, you just got to appreciate greatness. You got to appreciate David Taylor's greatness. You got to appreciate Kyle Dake's greatness. And you got to appreciate Jordan Burroughs' greatness and cleverness. That's why he is who he is. That's why he's the king. Thanks for watching, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Peace. All right, stalemates, keep listening. Next, we got a recap of the 2020 Senior Nationals with guest John Kozak. Enjoy. What's up, stalemates? Welcome back to another show. This time we have the recap of the big weekend. We had Senior Nationals. A good, I'll say, internet friend of mine, John Kozak. Is that how you say it? Yeah, man. Yeah. How's it going? Good, man. At Kozak John on Twitter. I'm sure you guys have seen his stuff by now. This man is single-handedly outworking everybody in the wrestling statistics game. Um, he's on top of it. He tweets like no other. He wakes up at like freaking 4 in the morning. We got him here at 10 a.m. Central Time, um, hailing all the way from, I don't even know where you live, man. Uh, Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. Dayton, Ohio. Shout out to the racers. Um, <laughs> big weekend, though. Let's start off from the top. Day one, I believe it was on Friday, you had Greco and women's freestyle. What were some of your big takeaways that we saw? Um, obviously, there was some upsets. There was some maybe surprises to some people. What was your big takeaways from day one? Yeah, I mean, I think the the obvious one is um, you got Moda Pettis taking out Allie Reagan, who's a uh, world silver medalist. And so that was, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Um, Pettis, you know, she graduated high school a year ago. She and she didn't even wrestle in college last year. So it's like, where, you know, where did she come from? So that was uh, definitely one of the biggest, biggest takeaways of the whole weekend, for sure, that, that first day. Absolutely. Another one that I was kind of, uh, of course, I, I've been very noted on this show that I am more of a folk style college wrestling guy. I'm trying to figure out this whole uh, Greco and freestyle and everything else. Um, but one, for me personally, one of the cool things to see was Alex Thompson come away with the title there. Was that expected hmm. or not expected? Yeah, you know, not at all. And I was, I was real interested to hear his story. You know, so I, I listened to some of his interviews and stuff. And he was saying he only trained Greco for one week wow. uh, leading up to the, the tournament. And he was training uh, freestyle for like seven or eight weeks prior. And he said it was a, his first Greco tournament since uh, 2017. So, you know, definitely didn't see that coming. Uh, taking out Lamont and then, you know, winning, winning the title over uh, Schwartz there. So, yeah, yeah it was, he was insane, man. Um, so we saw that over the, I can't remember, a few months ago, Nebraska said they're bringing in Liam Cronin. And uh, they're kind of the same way, uh, both kind of 25-pounders. Alex Thompson looked pretty freaking huge. Is are you think mm. that that's kind of a tell that, you know, he might be going up to 33, but then again at 33 they got Ridge Lovett. Um, of course, I don't know how yeah. it's going to work with all the, you know, Olympic red shirts and whatnot, but does this up Alex Thompson's stock, or is this like you write it off, eh, totally different style of wrestling, I'm not sure it's going to do much for him as far as the college season goes? Yeah. Yeah. If it were, you know, if it were freestyle, I think you could make that like direct 
correlation to, okay, he's going to, he's going to make that jump in folk style. But again, listening to him, he talked about the weight cut last year and how hard it was being down. He even said below 130. Um, so I can imagine that, you know, those extra five pounds were, uh, were really killer, but I, I think he's going to be at 33. And I think love, it'll be up at 41. He wrestled, uh, what do you wrestle 67 mm. this past weekend? So I think, I think just, just hearing him talk and hearing how he was motivated, how good he feels being up, um, above 130, And he just felt like he, you know, he had a lot of gas in the tank and was really ready to go. So I kind of just like that, you know, that he felt good. And he felt like that extra weight would really help him. So I think that'll that'll pay off, you know, for him next season if he wrestles, you know, folk style. I, I bet you uh, Matt Lindland though is going to be going to be on him to just to go Greco and, and get him in there. Um, but yes, I mean it's cool to hear Thompson talk and how motivated he was for sure. All right, um, a lot of people are saying there was a lot more college wrestlers this time around at Senior Nationals. What do you think that the cause of that was? Yeah, I mean, probably just the 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 lack of competition they've had over the last six, seven months, and then their ability to be in the room and to train um, at, you know, in a consistent level. And so you, you hear Thompson and some other guys talk about how, you know, they were able to get in their rooms over the past six or eight weeks. And I know for some of the some of the senior level guys, their training has been, you know, way different. But I think the college uh, atmosphere and the the ones that have been able to get their training figured out, I think that really helped them get into senior nationals and feel like they were you know ready to go. Did a lot of these guys, in your own mind, in your own opinion, did a lot of these guys look rusty or did like you know they? Oh man, you could tell some of these guys had kind of been laid off for a long period of time and maybe not had the same access at other guys. Or did you think that business was just as usual this weekend? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't, nothing really stood out to me. It was like, oh man, that guy's gas. And you can tell he hasn't wrestled in whatever, six months. But I, I know I saw some things floating around. Um, Ryan Mango, who's the big Greco guy, he, he put it out there on Twitter, like, hey, we shouldn't call this uh, US Open because of the, uh, the level of wrestling. Um, and so he referenced like, hey, guys are wrestling with their you know, legs straight. They're not wrestling through positions. So I don't know. I mean, he's more of an expert probably than I am. But, uh, you know, I think as you saw the tournament progress and you got into like the semis or the finals, it, it was high level wrestling. But I, I would say probably what more is you, you, you had more of like it was almost felt like a U23 mm. rather than like a senior nationals because you didn't have top five guys at every single weight. You had a lot of college guys. So, I, you know that's kind of how I would equate it. It, was, it felt more like a, a U23 or junior um, than a senior, senior nationals. Okay. That's a good comparison there. Um, earlier during quarantine, I felt like every day we got on Twitter and there was a new guy transferring or even the girls were transferring around. Everybody was going to different clubs. There was kind of all this chaos going on, right? It started with Thomas Gilman. Then we had Kyle Snyder, even Jaden Cox uh, going to Ohio state. Um, out of the guys and girls that were there this weekend that transferred to a new club, did they all look impressive to you? Or is anybody that looked like they may have taken a step back? What did you see from the people that, you know, switched clubs, switched teams, and got new coaching staffs, fresh set of eyes on their, you know, um, wrestling and whatnot? What did you see out of those guys? For, for example, you have Ironman, Snyder, Teske, and I'm probably leaving out a few other ones. But what did you see out of everybody? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think with – 
Teske is a good sign, you know, because he um, right off the bat beat Courtney, um, and who was, I think, like a number nine or 10 seed at Nationals last year. So that's a good sign for Teske. Um, and I think he lost to Camacho kind of coming coming back through. Um, so I thought he looked good. I think Ironman, you know, I didn't, I don't really, didn't really notice much of a difference with him. I mean, he was, you could tell he was fired up, you know, and it seemed like the crowd was playing in, and then there too. Were, were you there? Did you get to see the crowd reaction to Ironman at all or anything like that? I, I wasn't there in person. I was supposed to go, but I ended up not being okay. able to go. Uh, but I did see, I went back, I'm a big Splato fan. So I had to go back and watch that match. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think that was a pretty good, you know, tip of the cap from the Hawkeye fans saying, Hey, you're, you know, you're one of us now. So that was kind of cool mm-hmm. to see. Um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. What, what'd you make of the, uh, Snyder Gadsden thing? You know, a lot of people saying that Snyder oh, was bowing out cause he was down. A lot of us know that's probably not the case, but what did you see out of that? Man, I don't know. And, and if you see people go back and forth, was it his knee or was it his ankle? And I guess, I guess you hope it's his, his ankle, right? And is that a better, better recovery time I don't know there's six months till trials I thought Gadsden looked good you know I thought he was he was ready to go but um yeah I mean I think it's silly to think about Kyle Snyder <laughs> defaulting out of a match because he's losing right that's not that's not his uh his character at all but I mean Snyder hit a cradle this weekend too so I mean maybe that's a uh you know he picked that up from uh from David Taylor or something like that and then uh kind of back to your question about the the guys changing um, Evan Henderson, I didn't even realize he was at Cornell. Um, mm. so he transferred from North Carolina up to, uh, up to Cornell. So that, that's, he had a lot of good say, got a lot of good things to say about, um, Cornell and being there. So, and he, and he looked good, uh, Henderson. So, yeah. Um, let's stick with Evan Henderson there. He had a finals matchup against, uh, Andrew Alvarez. What did you make of that matchup? Is Alvarez was that shocking to you, or was that because he, he did have some hype behind him? It wasn't like Alvarez was a nobody, you know. I'm a big Big Twelve guy, and uh, that guy's he's been slowly flying under the radar for a little while now. Were you surprised by him, you know, wrestling? And did he? I believe he got the OW, correct? Yeah, I think so. And he, um, yeah, he beat McKee, and he beat um, McKenna. And then, you know, of course, Henderson and, and um, Yaya Thomas as well. So, yeah, he had he, – he showed up, right? Um, and I think the hype was there like a year ago when he went into college. And then his college season was just kind of like, oh, you know, it was, it was really good, but he didn't really take anybody out, you know, of, of note. Um, but, yeah, I, and again, I heard him kind of talk about going into this weekend. And he's like, I wanted people to, to know my last name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so – he was he was ready to go, and he he you know he put it on. And what's really interesting is he's not even qualified for the Olympic trials yet. He's still gotta he's still gotta qualify. Ironman's still gotta qualify, um, and a couple other high level guys at sixty five. But yeah, Lyris was man. He was he was every bit of uh, living up to hype for sure. Yeah, I mentioned earlier at the beginning of this interview that you wake up really freaking early and you put out these tweets every morning, like four or five in the morning. So I don't even know what time it is. You did it again today. You mentioned how stacked that weight class was. And basically there's, you you said that there's what three opportunities for three Mm -hmm. more guys to make world team trials. You have to win NCAAs or the top two at the last chance qualifier. How do you think that shakes out with all those guys? Yeah. Yeah. So NCAA champ 2021. um, And then the last, 
last chance. So it's like, what is this season going to look like? Um, you know, I know a lot of guys kind of showed up to try to get the red shirts in. So yeah, for 65, it's like, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. There's going to be a bunch of guys that are really high level that, um, won't even make it to the trials. And so, uh, like I said, you got, you got Alirez, you got, um, Thomas, you got, um, a store in there, uh, you know, so, so yeah, 65 is going to be, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a really fun weight class to watch and uh, 74 as well. Those, those weight classes are so, so deep and a lot of guys that are left out. So I, I really hope Aliris can get in there and, and qualify and see what he can do next year. Um, we mentioned OW with Alarez, then we have OW with Sarah Hildebrandt. What'd you see on the women's side this weekend? Obviously the big upset with Ali Reagan, um, but what out of out of all the women's this year, all the women, which one, you know, Hildebrandt, who else was kind of impressive as far as like performing above their seed? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Hildebrandt, you know, again, listen to her talk and she was, you could tell she was focused. Um, she talked about coming in, shaking off the rust, but man, she was, she was so far above everybody she wrestled uh, last weekend. So she looked good uh, for a small and area. I mean, she was she's a pinner, right? And so she kind of came out, sent the message. She's the clear, you know, number two um, behind uh, Tamira Mensa um, at, at 68. Uh, Adeline Gray, you know, she just kind of does what you expect her, you know, to do. Um, so, but then you got uh, uh, Jennifer Page. She kind of really showed up and this is only uh, her third, I think her third competition since 2017, since she got hurt. And so she came in and, and kind of proved herself and, and she's training at um, Nitley, Nitley Lion. And so we saw her, whatever, a couple, uh, like a month ago or whatever, compete. So she looked really good. So she kind of put everybody on notice there at 62. So I was really impressed, really impressed with, with her. And then um, you got Lauren uh, Luvi at, um, at 57, where she took out uh, Moda Pettis with the, with the throw. Um, so, and that's her, that's kind of been her best, um, best performance win in senior nationals. And then Fairside, uh, she beat Lampy, which that's her best win. Lampy was, you know, multiple time uh, world team member, medalist. So those are kind of the ladies that, that stood out to me over the weekend. Okay, right on. Well, let's get into, um, we got some voice ones that we want to, that we want, that I'm going to play here. Uh, but before we do that, I want to know out of, out of the whole field this year, Give me a couple guys or girls that up their stock over the weekend and some people that maybe their stock kind of went the other direction that you don't want it to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pletcher and Cruz, they had a tough weekend. Um, Pletcher losing to Mathers and then to um, McKee. I think they were both tech falls too. So there was a lot of hype with Pletcher coming into the, the, uh, the Olympic trials and, uh, you know, he had a tough, tough weekend. And then um, Darren Cruz losing to Dylan um, Ragusen. And he's, you know, he's stock up, right? Nobody saw him coming. And then uh, Ramos as well. So, yeah, so Ragusen, you know, he, he may have had the breakout performance um, just because he was in high school, whatever, you know, five months ago. Right. Um, and he, he had made Greco teams, but never, never really did anything with, with freestyle. Uh, Rocky Elam, he's another guy stock up. He beat, uh, he teched Max Dean and he beat Brett Farr. He beat um, McFadden. So he had a good, good weekend as well. And then um, 
you know, I'd say even even though Victoria Francis lost to Adeline Gray, I thought she looked really, really good. She came out of the three seed, beat um, Precious Bell to get make it to the finals. And I thought you could kind of tell she was ready to go um, and she was really prepared. So I was I was impressed with her um, coming coming into the finals against against Gray. Okay, right on. All right, well, I had you guys call in, leave your voicemails, your thoughts. We did it for the first time with the preview show with Oldest Greatest. We're going to do it again with John Kozak. Uh, we'll play these things, kind of react to them. Uh, there's only two this time around. The first one's really short. We kind of already touched on it, but we're going to play it anyways. Um, so this is actually a response to last week. So last week, uh, this guy, this gentleman named Wes Gerber called in, and he said that Allie Reagan was going to basically be wrestling herself all weekend, kind of saying that there was nobody else at this weight class. So this is a response to that. I'm going to go ahead and play it. I was, it was kind of funny. Uh, it's not very long. It's about 14 seconds. Yeah, I'm calling to leave a message for Wes Gerber. I want to let you know that your girl, Allie Reagan, got decked in the first period by an 18-year-old. She was wrestling more than herself. Okay, well, that's it. Um, was that, I don't like to use the word fluke, but was that a one-and-done thing? If that rest, if they wrestled 10 times, is that only going to happen one time, or is that, no, this, this girl's the next thing? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think she's the truth, right? I think I think she's the real deal, and she showed that by making making the finals. The one thing I'd say about Reagan is she did get thrown at uh, at Worlds last year, so it's kind of you know concerning. And you hope because you know how how good she is, you hope she kind of corrects that. But in the way that she kind of stood straight up into it and Pettis timed it perfectly. Um, I'd love to see that, you know, as a six-minute match and see what um, Moda Pettis can do six minutes against Reagan. All right. This next one here is about two minutes and 55 seconds, so stay with me here, but there's a lot of good stuff kind of in this. Um, so stay with me here. Um, I actually don't – oh, this guy's name is uh, – let me – I'm going to double-check real quick. I believe it's Dylan Morrison. Yeah, Dylan Morrison. Um, so this is what he says. He calls himself the brain. Uh, here we go. Yo, it's the brain with senior national recap. Fifty-seven kilogram. Vito did what Vito does. That's put on a show for the people. His style is fun to watch, and we got to see that match that we missed for beat the streets against Mueller in the semis. In the finals, he took out the young buck, true freshman Dylan Ragusen of Clifton Wrestling Club. In the finals, uh, Ragusen caught the eye of the wrestling world after beating former NCAA champion Darian Cruz. In the second round, seven to six, and Cruz was winning a national title in 2017. Dylan was just a freshman in high school. Uh, 65 kilograms, number nine seed, Alvarez of UNC uh, had an impressive weekend, beating Matena six to four and Yaya Thomas seven to one before taking out Evan Henderson in the finals five to one. Alvarez will definitely be someone to watch in the next several months leading up to the trials. Uh, someone who made the, the noise early in the tournament but didn't place was Rob Mathers. He opened up the tournament with a tech ball over Luke Fletcher, 15-4, and another tech 10-up and, and over two-time NCAA champ Dean Heil before his knees got weak and his arms were too heavy and lost to Henderson in the quarters and storing the Wrestlebacks. 74 kilograms, Massa looked tough in the final, shutting down Valencia's offense. He picked him apart for the tech. 
after his win against Bexod and the on the Rothkin for Rock's spin card and putting on a solid performance this weekend, he's shown that he's making a run the next tier at 74 kilograms. 86 kilograms, it was nice to see Gabe Dean back on the mats with the C on his bicep and the looks of a bear. I don't know if that was <laughs> Cornell's assistant coach or if it was their mascot this weekend. His usual offense wasn't quite there in the semi went over Hidley or the finals over Jackson, but a solid positioning hasn't left. If he chooses to stay with it through 2021, I'll be excited in the wrinkles he has to this weight. At 97 kilograms, first off, I'd like to say I hope Kyle Snyder is all right. Not sure when the injury occurred, but Gaston looked pretty tough in his offense during the match. Maybe a little confidence that Gaston needed against a guy that seemed to have his number. Though we didn't see the Buckeye vs. Buckeye showdown in the finals, we did get to see the levels Colin Morris jumped in the finals with his win over Gaston. 125 kilograms to Mason Paris is going to be a threat to 2021. He has proven against his athleticism. That's pretty much it right there. Uh, so a lot of the stuff right there that was just kind of um, kind of just a, you know, a brief recap there. Um, but I want to touch on a couple things that he brought up there. He brought up the Heidley situation. What, what happened there? I actually didn't get to catch that one, but there was some controversy there. Did you get to see that one? Are you talking about Heidley Valencia? I, I believe. Yeah. Well, there was a point taken away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what did you get? What did you see from that? Yeah. So there were three separate times where Heidley was finishing a shot um, towards the edge of the mat. And in freestyle, they have continuation. So where you, if you're in on a shot, uh, you can continue it through like the progression of the move. And so he did that three times and three times kind of ran Valencia into the ground mm -hmm. uh, uh, as he finished the shot. So the first two times he got step out points. And then the third time they gave him a caution and Valencia a point. And so kind of, doesn't make much sense because the first two times he didn't get warned for doing it. And the third time uh, he gets warned for doing it. So uh, he went on Twitter and kind of posted something. I forget what it was, but he's like, I apologize to nobody for my actions. So <laughs> that's pretty cool to see. Yeah. yeah. Another kind of controversial match, at least somebody had kind of put it in my ears, controversial. Um, David Carr and Ryan Deacon, there was some weird scoring going on there. Did you agree with the calls that were made? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, well, they wrestled, they wrestled twice. The first, so they the wrestled first time. Um, on the first time. Yeah, yeah. So the first time David Carr, you know, came out on top there. And, and I just think that's kind of one of those things with freestyle is it is open to interpretation. And, you know, David Carr is, he is an animal when it comes to the freestyle scene. So I, I thought they were called okay. I, I wasn't too upset with, you know, with anything. I didn't think it was egregious or anything like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, John, I appreciate you coming on today. Um, go ahead and give him your Twitter and shout out kind of what you do, I guess, a little bit for me. Yeah. Yeah. Kozak, John. Um, and I just, I, I really like international freestyle wrestling. Um, kind of basically all, all the things that I've wanted over the, like the past years of following of like stats and info and mat match results are what I've decided to start doing over the past year. So if you like freestyle wrestling, if you want to know more about it, um, yeah, feel free to follow me on Twitter. Let me throw you to the wolves real quick. I didn't give you this question written down. I just thought of it off the top of my head, though. You're, yeah, all good. you're a big stats guy. 
I love random stats that like people are like, who would have ever looked that up and found out that was a stat? Was there any stats in this weekend that, that you might have found out that people weren't really talking about? Or what was a wild stat from this weekend? Oh, well, one of the first things that I noticed was the one-to-one, one, the boring one-to-one Jackson Dean. Yeah. And I've, uh, I've gone through my database of like 50,000 matches or whatever. And a one-to-one match happens one in a thousand times. So, wow. Uh, yeah, that's exciting, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was going to – I threw you to the wolves there. I was going to see if you are going to sink or swim. You definitely swam there. I, I was going to tell you, man, if you don't have anything, I'll just edit that out. But we'll leave yeah. that in there. Uh, follow him on Twitter, everybody. Uh, if you guys like this show, give it a thumbs up, comment. Let us know what we were wrong about. Let us know uh, what you liked. Um, call in 515-412-4269. Let us know your thoughts. I appreciate, you, I appreciate everybody for watching. Thank you. Okay, stalemates. In the final segment of this podcast, we have our episode with guest Eric Thompson of the Nittany Line Wrestling Club. Give it a listen and enjoy. What's up, stalemates? Another special guest today. First off, I got to start off by saying that this guy, in my mind, growing up, seemed like the very first superstar kind of recruit out of high school. Um, it's fun to watch his his path throughout, you know, college and then now into coaching. He's doing some big things. Eric Thompson, what's going on, Eric? Hey, man, good to see you. Yeah. First off, before we get into your career, I want to say congratulations. You're a Bears fan. What is it? Three, yeah. three and one. But I want to set the record. Four, four and one? Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Well, I want to set the record straight before we get into that. Before we become friends, I want to tell you this is a cheesehead show, all right? Gosh, you're well, so far from Wisconsin. That's the thing. You're you're in uh, Pleasant Valley, so you're or Pleasant Hill, right? Pleasant Hill, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're closer to Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes you grow up with Brett Favre and you like greatness, so you're like, you know what? I'm uh, I'm sticking with that. You know what? I accept. I accept. We had Brian Urlacher. I was more a defensive guy. Okay, all right. I respect it. Um, so. Today you're now you know you're now coaching at NL the Nittany Line Wrestling Club and then you're also help coach with uh, David Taylor right at M2. Yep, yep. I have both those jobs right now. It's a lot of fun. So how did you how did you end up there from you know competing and everything throughout the years? You were recruited by Kale back out of high school. Uh, you went to Iowa State. You went to Grandview. You coached at Lehigh a little bit. How did you end up kind of where you're at right now? Yeah. So just. After I left Iowa State, you know, just um, even after Coach Kale left, we were fairly close after he left, and and obviously things didn't work out, and I and whatever, you know, and I went to Grandview, and Coach Mitt, or Coach Kale and I just stayed in contact, right, just kind of here and there, just his funny sense of humor, his text messages and stuff, just kind of staying in contact with him and Cunningham. Um, so when the time came for me to figure out what I wanted to do after college, you know, I kind of just texted him and just asked if they'd be interested in hiring me. And, and he pretty much just said, yeah, move on out. So it's kind of crazy. So my wife's great aunt was, um, was a head of microbiology at Penn state. Mm. So, and she was like 70 years old. So I moved out here and lived in her basement for the first six months, um, right away in state college. So it was kind of crazy. And it was my first time 
that I'd been to Pennsylvania when I moved out here, mm. but haven't left since. So we enjoy it. Um, I'm going to give you the nickname. I know you got the nickname gold bear, right? Gold bear USA. Yeah. I'm going to give you another nickname, Mr. Dynasty. You've been part of three different dynasties, really. Well, if you want to count Iowa state four, uh, but you know, shell rock, right? Shell rock. Uh, yeah. Then you go to, I guess we'll count Iowa state. So four different dynasties. Cause Iowa state's had their run over the years. Um, Iowa state, then you go to Grandview, start the dang dynasty, and then you end up coaching kind of with the Penn State guys, which you're currently, you know, doing their thing. Has there been a parallel between all, all the different coaches that you had? Is there like one thing in common amongst those guys? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, for me, like coming to the places and going to the places I've been, it, it, it's mostly, you know, I'd like to think that I like I'm a good judge of character, but that's not always true, right? You know, I think I'm just uh, attracted to like good people, you know, and, and that's one, one thing I'll say about, you know, coach Caldwell, um, coach Wickham, who's now the head coach at Waverly Shell Rock, um, KJ, Kale, coach Mitchell, you know, they're all great people on and off the mat. You know, they do, they do a lot for their athletes. They care a lot from, from start to finish really, you know, I'm still all those guys I talk to at least a, a couple times a month, you know, so it's, it's those sort of changes and the difference it makes, you know, I think that's what separates them. And I'm sure a lot of coaches do that, but you know, that from what I can tell in my experiences, it's made a huge difference for me. So I remember when you left Iowa State and you chose to go to Grandview. And at that time, Grandview was pretty brand spanking new as far as it goes. Like, you know, that were you part of the very first national championship team that they had? I was. I was. So Omi and I were the first, uh, Omi Acosta, he, we were the first two guys to win to have for Grandview to have multiple national championships that first year. Um, you know, and that was actually, so I left Iowa state, um, in like July and I, and I was like, I didn't want to wrestle anymore. And I was, I moved back to a shell rock and I was working at a target distribution center, mm -hmm. um, you know, 4am to 2am unload boxes off of trucks. And so coach Mitchell kind of called me and, and I'd known Mitchell from Waverly way back when I was a kid. I remember I was in like fourth or fifth grade and he was running our youth practice and I was about the same size as same size as him and we'd wrestle each other hmm. so it's kind of crazy he called me and I was I went on my visit and I was he was kind of giving me his whole spiel that he gives and I was like yeah I'll sign the papers today I was like just wanted to get out of target yeah uh, I don't I don't blame you there um did he try to recruit I know you were you were the number one uh were you the number one pound for pound I know you're the number one heavyweight out of your senior year of high school but were you the number one pound for pound no, I think I was like seven or eight. Seven or eight. Um, that was kind of before Flo started doing their their uh, pound for pound stuff. Mm. Um, I'm not sure who did the rankings then. I believe it I'm was trying to remember. I, I believe it was Intermat, maybe. Bryant, right? Was it Intermat? Yeah. Or? Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, did he try to? Re I know. So you you know obviously you were like you know pretty highly sought after. Did Coach Mitchell try to recruit you out of high school at all, or not even? No, I remember seeing him as my the spring of my senior year, and it was uh, Mitchell and Grant Turner, who's with Nike Wrestling. Um, I met Grant on my visit to Iowa State, and they were, they were like, well, when you're, uh, you know, you don't have to go to Iowa State. You can come to Grandview right now and just, you know, be the starter for or be the guy who starts everything for us, you know, and it, it was kind of crazy how that ended up working out. When you ended up going to Grandview, were they like, well, 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 look who's here yeah. now. It was funny. So, I, so basically, uh, you know, when I got to Grandview, so it was like Paul Reedy and Paul Reedy was like my, 
my guy who helped me with everything, right? He was just, he's one of the best people I've ever met in my entire life. I don't know if you've ever met Reed. He's like one of the top five human beings on planet earth, you know? And, and then Grant was, was my wrestling guy. And those two, you know, to go from where I was at the time, you know, personally in my, in my personal life and stuff, it was a little wild then and it wasn't good conducive to winning a national title or being good at anything. Right. So, so those two, man, they're, they're terrific. And it was funny. I like kind of showed up and they were like, well, here we are. Let's do this, man. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's funny. Um, so nowadays you're, you know, you're helping out with David Taylor over at the M2, which you guys have a, a freaking amazing facility over there. Um, that's gotta be awesome to train there every day. And then, you know, the Nittany line wrestling club recently, you guys started doing these rock fin cards, kind of innovators of the game with this. And then it wasn't much long after that, we started seeing a bunch of other people in the wrestling world saying, Hey, I've got a rock fin channel. Now I got a rock fin thing. Now were you there from conception with this idea or were you, was this something that was kind of already in the works? So coach Kale kind of just said one day, like, Hey, we're doing a card on rock fin. That was pretty much it. And, and so we were all in and yeah, M2 has been awesome too, man. It's funny. I like that facility is insane. You know, you think about, you know, Mark McKnight, myself and, and David, we talk about like the places we trained at, you know, back, back in like the late nineties, early two thousands, you think about some of the wrestling rooms you'd go to, like, it was like someone's basement with like these cracked mats oh, and yeah. you're like scraping your arm on them and stuff. Yeah. So it's crazy. These kids, man, we get, we get really get to help them and, and it's in a really cool facility. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you guys try to remind the kids like, hey, it wasn't always this sweet in this sport. You know, I was practicing like for me, my first wrestling room was uh, under the bleachers of our basketball uh, stadium or whatever. And and I'm from Centerville, which is like we got a pretty good we got a pretty good history in wrestling. And the fact that we're still under the bleachers, it's like, dang. And then you see these kids now with these kind of facilities. You're like, man, it must be nice. Yeah, you want you want to tell them like dude, this place is so nice. You guys should be more thankful, but you don't want to be like the guy who's like, I walked uphill in the snow both ways. You know what I right, mean? Right. So he's trying to, the happy medium of like, well, I'd rather be crying here than in uncle John's barn where no one cares. Right. You know, where I'm like, Hey, it's okay. Keep wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. You said that uh kale kind of just came in one day. And it's like, Hey, this is what we're doing. Is that kind of how a lot of things work or does he, or is it more like a boardroom style where like a meeting of the minds, everybody kind of pitches stuff or is kale just like, this is what we're doing. And everyone's like, Yep. That's what we're doing. I'd say we're fairly democratic, you know, but it's, it's like, uh, it's like when your wife tells you you're going to do something, you don't really fight it. Right. You just kind of say, okay. And it's, so it's generally a good idea. So, you know, like he's, he's who he is for a reason. Yeah. I think it's what I find interesting about this whole Rockfin thing that you guys are doing is Kale hasn't really been on Twitter and like years he used people who have been paying attention for a long time kale used to be funny and hilarious on twitter he used to come in and kind of roast people i think there is uh like he's quoted movies and and whatnot but all of a sudden when he needs it he knows how to use it and then even in between these two cards that the first card that you guys have done and then the second one there was a gap where he didn't use twitter for like a few weeks and then you know now it comes back october 20th he tweets at one time and then you know, he's kind of back in, you know, I see him replying and stuff to people. Is Kale funny behind the scenes? Coach Kale's like, he is a uh, classically like dry sense of humor. Hilarious. You know, you can't, can't tell all the time when he's serious or when he's joking. So it's always better just to take him seriously. And then he'll get a little bit mad if you don't laugh at his jokes. He's like, well, that was a joke. And I was like, 
well, it's news to me. (laughs) Yeah. But he is, he is underrated, underrated funny. You know, if he comes back to Twitter full time and he starts, uh, you know, going back and forth with people, I mean, people are going to laugh. I'm, I'm serious about this. He is hilarious. That's awesome. Um, so senior nationals was last past weekend. Did you make it out there? No, I wasn't out. So we only sent two athletes, you know, we had Jen page who won and then Kyle who sustained an injury. Um, you know, but so I do a little bit of Kyle, um, Mark McKnight does a lot of the stuff with our girls, you know, we have Jen page training and then, uh, Valencia, Jane Valencia training as well. So Mark does a lot of stuff with them. So there wasn't really any need for me to go for not sending a lot of people, but it was cool to see some senior level wrestling again though. Yeah. Was there any major takeaways that you saw just as a fan or, you know, a coach as well? Did you see a lot of these guys look and girls look rusty or did they look like they've been, you know, prepared this whole time? I think people look good. You know, it's, if you looked rusty, I think that's kind of on you, right? I mean, at a certain point, it's like, it's your career. So, so take it into your own hands. You know, if you're trying to win an Olympic gold medal, it's, it's not because everything's easy, right? It's because that's what you want to do. Um, but I think, I think it was good for a lot of guys, right? Like, so some of those guys who would maybe place, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth, and, and, you know, they're getting, some of those guys are getting in the finals, you know, it's really good for their confidence and it's good for them to have success and get back on the mat. So I think it's good for a lot of guys to, to be able to compete and, and get back on the mat and see what's going on with them. But, you know, I think you definitely saw some guys who shined and, and shows that they were, they were training and they were going in quarantine, right? Figuring it out. In the UFC, they talk a lot about ring rust, you know, guys who competed and then they don't compete for a pretty extended period of time and then they come back. Um, We saw that with Gabe Dean. However, there really didn't look to see like there was any, let's call it mat rust with him. Do you think that's a thing or do you or that not really a thing in our sport? I think you can work it out fairly quick. It just depends on on who you are. Right. You know, I think. Think wrestling you know sometimes your timing's off right and that's when that's when you have two guys banging knees hitting heads like guys are getting hit in the nuts and stuff and you're kind of like what is going on right mm-hmm. when you're drilling you know and it just takes some time you know to kind of get some of that timing down but i think it can be worked out fairly quick you know if you're on the mat once or twice a day and you're and you're trying to work on these things and figure it out then i think it'll get figured out but if uh you're not putting in the time or for whatever reason or whatever's going on. It's, it will, it can happen, right? You can be a little rusty if you haven't had the mat time. Um, let's, let's go back to this card uh, that you guys are doing on October 20th, right? October 20th, I believe. Um, it's on Rockfin. Make sure you subscribe to the Nittany line wrestling club. If you're going to do it, don't do it through anybody else. Um, What's it like putting this card together? Are you guys leaving up to athletes like, hey, go find your opponent or we'll help you find an opponent? Or is it like, hey, we're going to find your opponent for you? No, I mean, I think guys, they have guys they want to wrestle and they have guys that they don't really care to wrestle, right? So so trying to figure out how that works out for for our guys and, and trying to find the best matches for them while also making it sustainable, right? Mm. Um. All right. Well, I... Uh, I made a meme, the whole Jordan Burroughs, uh, David Taylor thing. I made a meme. You're my guy. Uh, you've been you've been a big supporter from the beginning. When I made that, I was like, oh, this is going to ruin my chance with an interview with you. Uh, today, this morning, David Taylor responded. Is that all fun and games or is there a, a real like rivalry there? I mean, 
someone beats you, you want to beat them, right? Mm-hmm. David wants to beat Burroughs. He wants to beat everybody. You know, that's just who he is, right? He's a competitor. So if David could get a chance to wrestle him, I think he's going to take it all day, you know? And I think he's much different than he was six years ago. And I know I don't enjoy wrestling him. So I can't imagine many other people do. So I think, I think it is, it is a little tongue in cheek, but also, you know, guys want to beat other guys, right? I mean, it's just who wrestlers are, right? You don't, it's like, uh, it's like when all these sports analysts talk about like, Oh, he's one of the most competitive guys in the room. It's like, yeah, no kidding. Right. You know, right, it's, right. it's uh, that they want to beat everybody. Do you think that kind of stuff is good for the sport? The, you know, the banter back and forth, or are you like, nah, that's for the birds. I think it's, I think if that's who you are, then that's who you are, yeah. you know, but if that's not who you are and it's forced, then it seems silly. Right. But I think it's, it's not a bad thing. Nothing, you know, we, we get so caught in wrestling about like, this is the way it is. You know, this is how we've done it for so long and stuff. It's, it's a, it's a virus in the wrestling community to say like, it's cut and dry, you know, just cause that's the way your dad watched it or the way your uncle watched it. You know, it's, it's, we have our athletes have platforms now um, for a reason, right? It's not so they can sit in their house and train like lunatics and, and not get any love. You know, it's important for these guys to, to build their brand and to do these things. Yeah. I, I, th- I think you really hit the, what's the word nail on the head or whatever when it comes off, when it's a guy who doesn't, who's not really like that. If he's talking a lot of trash, but he's just not really that kind of guy. It's super, I think it's damaging to them because it comes off like, dude, we, we all know you're, you're not that clever, you know, but when you have a guy that it works, then I think it only takes him to the moon, right? Like a Conor McGregor. Um, so I think it's, I think it's good for the sport, but it's not for everybody. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like the best, the best, you can only be yourself. Right. And and if it's not yourself and it's disingenuous and, and people are least attractive to people who are disingenuous. So you got to figure out who you are and, and be that person. Right. Absolutely. I want to, before we wrap this up here, I like to keep these pretty, be, pretty brief. What is in the water and at Waverly? Like, do you guys have been running things for a long time now? What What's going on? So, you know, it's crazy. So before I kind of got into high school, Waverly was, hadn't really ever been good, right? You have Greenlees, the Greenlee brothers. Um, but they were about the only guys who'd ever really found a ton of success, you know, so years and years of, of not great wrestling. Um, and then we had, you know, it's basically just a group of crazy dads who were like, my son's not going to suck. And then it was just them constantly like how, you know, it was, it was intense, you know, and, and looking back on it, it was, it was a lot, but you know, uh, results speak for themselves. And, you know, once one dad comes along and they bring somebody else with them, that's how it works, man. I'm fully convinced if you want a successful high school program, it starts at the youth level with a group of parents who are very committed, right? Cause Cause one kid brings another kid, brings another kid, brings another kid. And then you have numbers, you know, my senior class, we graduated 12 guys, two of them weren't starters, you know, and, but they, they were there the whole year and they were as important as anybody else to that team, you know, since we were in sixth grade, you know, bringing those guys along. So I think that's very important. And, and now guys are moving back to Waverly who've wrestled in college from that success and they're running the youth program. They're running the junior high program. They're helping out the high school and coach Wickham has a great staff there. And it's just, it's a commitment, you know, and, and Waverly's a, 
you know, a Northeast Iowa town, but it's a little bit bigger than the rest of those places. And it's nice. And you have Warburg there too, which is really, really good for a high school kid. You know, like I was able to wrestle with a lot of Warburg guys throughout the summers and stuff. And and I know that made a big difference for me. Yeah. Are you kind of using the same tactics, I guess, that you had back then now with M2? I know they're a little bit different, but um, is it is it a lot easier at M2 because you have a guy like David Taylor's name and brand behind it? Or is it does that make it more more of a challenge? I think it's good. You know, it's David is, uh, you know, he does. He's super passionate about it. You know, he he loves it and he cares about it. And it's very, very near and dear to his heart. You know, so me and Mark are doing a lot of this stuff. And it's it's nice to say, you know, hey, David is killing it. You know, he's here all the time. It's not like he's name that name only. You know, he is there running practices, helping kids, being involved. You know, he he does he's above and beyond for a lot of these kids. You know, and I think your parents, like parents do the recruiting for you. So once you get parents to buy into the system of whatever you're doing, you know, and they tell other parents about it, that's that's your best um your best advertisement, right? Is that and, and success, obviously, which we're we are now starting to come upon, which is very exciting. You know, some of our kids who are in junior high are now starting to have big success in high school. Um, and it's it's uh, vindicating for us, you know, because at first it was like, you know, they don't do this or that like like other clubs do. So now it's a little bit different where, all right, we'll do whatever we're, we're doing. And you guys can stick to what you've been doing for the last 30 years. That's awesome, man. I love it. Thank you for thank you for joining me on the show here um october 20th rockfin nlwc uh make sure you subscribe to them um you guys are doing some great things out there i love it keep doing what you're doing mr dynasty the new nickname it's probably not gonna catch on but i'm gonna use it when i see you sometime uh thanks for joining me man yeah yeah hopefully uh you know this year we can have the olympic trials and we get you out here okay yeah let's get do it hey i'm a, I'm, a, I'm a pa guy now you know, last couple of weeks ago, I was a big Iowa guy. Now I'm a PA guy. You guys need anything? Let me know. I'll give you my number. I know. I got to get that stuff in the mail for you. So get rid of some of that Hawkeye stuff. I'm sure. <laughs> brands gave you. Yeah, all get right. it all, you know, working the, the good Navy and white. Yeah. Get going here. Hey, I'll, I'll sell out, man. I'll be the first guy to admit it. Uh, don't forget to comment, like, subscribe. Uh, follow Eric on Twitter at Gold Bear USA. Um, Rockfin, everything. Thanks for watching, everybody.